This is a Federal News Network podcast. You're listening to the Space Hour here on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White. After all the time and money spent building and launching satellites, you hate to see it when these expensive machines break down while in orbit. New technology, though, could soon make it easier to repair them without having to decommission or sometimes even ever sending a human repairman. To get more info, I spoke to Tom McCarthy, VP of Business Development at Motive Space Systems. So the most important thing is to talk about, like, you know, what's what's emerging, like some of some of the technologies that have been developed. Uh, NASA Goddard in particular has been critical in uh, developing a lot of the pathways and the vision for satellite servicing. Um, Also, DARPA has been a part of this uh, for a number of years, too. So a lot has been pioneered by some of the government entities. And so for the folks here at Motive, we have uh, throughout the course of our careers at Motive, we've supported both of those entities and brought capabilities in in the form of robotics and, and control systems and so forth. Um, to study what does it take to actually go and manipulate, service, repair um, those those case studies, and then what kind of technologies are required to close the gaps to make that possible. Um, the example of Hubble is a, is a is an interesting one because it's it's obviously very current. You know, there was an instance there where uh, part of the system went offline. And Hubble has a very interesting history. Uh, Hubble has been serviced uh, by astronauts uh, several times over over its its career, um, and returning just incredible scientific data. You know, amazing discoveries. Just just you know, tons and tons of gigabytes of of, of imagery have been presented and will be continue to be um, rifled through for just unbelievable content. Um, in this case, there's this, this kind of begs the question, uh, what is the value of satellite servicing and opportunity? Hubble's been so great and the return has been so great that um, Hubble was one of those first cases where, where NASA Goddard started looking at, well, what could we do? Could we use robots um, to go and service um, Hubble in the future uh, when, when the space shuttle was no longer available? You know, what, what are the new opportunities? And so I think it's, it's become a good case study for us. Now, fortunately, the operators of, of Hubble were able to recover the system using its various backup systems and so forth, but it still begs that question. It still, it still says, hey, how can the industry evolve to actually do some of these things? So, so NASA has a mission right now called OSAM-1. It was formerly uh, called Restore. Um, I believe their plans are in 2024, 2025, um, to actually launch a, a spacecraft that's that's being under that's being developed uh, as we speak, um, which is uh, equipped with robotics and sensing systems and so forth, um, and actually demonstrate. It's more than demonstrate. We actually perform a refueling and servicing activity um, on a government satellite. <clears throat> Excuse me, something like a GOES or a Landsat, something like one of the one of the uh, uh, satellites that have been in orbit for quite a while, but could use uh, a propellant boost um, to extend its life, its serviceable life. So um, those are important demonstrations um, uh, to be able to do that and show just how far the industry has come. So there's there's many within the um, uh, commercial and industrial community that have worked together hand in hand with the, the government community um, to see to it that these these technologies uh, arrive 
and, and foster uh, more of a, um, an ecosystem, a logistical ecosystem uh, for future uh, servicing and, and various services in space. So let's get a little bit into the nitty gritty. What would this technology look like? Is it uh, a payload delivery or is it the whole, you know, the whole craft that's being launched will be just kind of a go-to repair kit that will just get to work right when it reaches the satellite? And does it, I imagine robotic arms come in, come into play at some point. Uh, what, what, what would it look like? Yeah, or will absolutely. It look like and, it? and, and, and actually I, I think all of those things that you talked about are, are the answer. And, and, this first system that, that NASA is working on would be more of like your, your full-up tow truck, your, your full-up mechanic equipped with lots of tools and robotic arms to do uh, any number of, of activities. But what's really interesting right now is across the industry, you have um, companies developing technology and capabilities in more niche space. You have companies that are focusing their efforts on space tugs for just relocating you have companies that have already demonstrated um, life extension, like North of Grumman has already had a satellite dock, two, two satellites dock with commercial satellites to provide um, uh, um, uh, media satellites that um, are just low on propellant. Otherwise, they're working beautifully. They're profitable. They're, they're a really nice asset. It's just that they're at the end of their, their, um, their propellant life. Well, Northrop provided a service to Intelsat, in this case was their customer, um, to provide extra years of, of profitable operations. And that's a big value. And it was, it's, a, it's, a, it's a more um, um, a simple system that uses like a docking interface and, and mates the two so that they can go off and, and do uh, attitude control uh, for the customer. Um, the, uh, the services built by NASA are more complete. Like I said, it's got more robotics, it's got more tools, different things that it wants to show. But I think the answer is in all of those things. Like sometimes it'll be niche, very specific. There might be times in the future where people will deliver um, deorbit kits to things to, to clear uh, a, um, a dead satellite, an old rocket body, you know, kind of those things and cleaning up a space so it becomes operable again. Um, I think there's just a variety of applications, um, movement and refueling capabilities, storage of, of equipment, the ability to assemble, manufacture, uh, service. Those are things that the community is, is, is talking a lot about and, and they're building up capability. And um, when we see things like these uh, constellations, there's, there's opportunity there. Some of those things might be serviceable in the future. Some of those things may be just replaceable. But uh, but we're seeing we're seeing a complete change within our our, our space community. It's it's growing at leaps and bounds. Access to space is much cheaper than it ever was, and so and there's there's investment opportunity too, where where people see opportunity to create uh, economic um, um, uh, gains um, through the use of the, the space domain. Yeah, I wanted to go back. Uh, it was a good segue there because I was wondering, uh, will this help maybe have a cleaner exit for satellites? Because following the news, you've seen the the uh, stories about Chinese satellite is going to fall and nobody knows where, but, you know, it'll probably hit the ocean. But <laughs> so would, would something like this maybe help with that? You know, even if they're not going to keep using it, it could possibly maybe deconstruct it up in space or have it be have a more controlled entrance back onto earth or something like that 
Yeah, absolutely. Th those kind of those kind of capabilities are all within uh, the technology umbrella of, of the things that are being developed. Um, and and the only thing that will, will prevent them from from actually it's just it's just demand that, you know, who who needs that space cleared? Why should it be cleared, whether it's handled by a, a private company that says, well, I need I need access to that area because it interferes with my with my constellation goals or, or what have you. But but absolutely, the, the less and less I feel the um, the technical is the is the impediment now there, there's good there's great uh, technical capability throughout the community and and it's more important and going forward will be important is you know where where is economic viability and sustainability um, to to address these things yeah and I imagine it would also decrease the need to keep putting new satellites up there if you can maybe you know maybe not even fix them but you were talking about uh, keeping them going longer and um, possibly some upgrades what what, uh, what can you tell me about upgrading satellites while they're up there yeah absolutely I uh, the idea that a um, an older satellite could become a platform um, for for other for future sensor upgrades or let's say communication upgrades um, is is an idea that has definitely been discussed um, or future uh, uh, spacecraft um, uh, or outposts such that you could add new payloads as instrumentation uh, comes available and, and online um, so that it could you could uh, accumulate uh, capability over time uh, so yes absolutely and the, so that that gets us away from the model of just a single, approach a single satellite investing a lot into what was a very expensive launch um, um, model of the past for to do only one thing and so now we're 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 starting to to expand that vision and realizing that there's there's opportunity there and we we can we can create some more multi-purpose uh solutions and find other ways for commercial entities to uh, play play a part and, and create new business We've talked a lot about ideas that you and your colleagues and counterparts in the industry have been discussing. Uh, what else is it going to take to make these become a reality besides money? Obviously, more more investment is needed. But are there new technologies that we're still not there yet with to in order to make this, uh, you know, a reality? Um, and, and obviously, the time frame that has uh, has been sped up a lot, uh, as we only thought that commercial space flight was going to be possible in the next, you know, 50 years, but now it's here today. What, what else is needed to get this off the ground, pun intended? Well, yeah, perfect. Uh, you know, the show's full of puns. For space that's puns. right. So I, I would say, you know, I, we, we could take a, a really good page out of the book of the, of the launch providers. Um, they really changed um, our access to space when, when the cost of launch has been driven down so significantly, um, it opened doors. I mean, it meant that you, for the same amount of, of funding or, or allocation, now you could, you could afford to put more into your payload, into your spacecraft, into your instrumentation. So from our viewpoint, looking at this, this ecosystem, as I was, I was saying, for us, low-cost robotics are important. And that's where we feel we play an important role. Um, there's technology available. There's there's technology that we've been developing, and and in the in the past, uh, robotics have always been kind of a luxury item because they're you know not every system needs them, 
And there's always a trade on whether you can afford them because they're very specific and they do a certain job and they can get, and they can be expensive to, to, cause they're, they, they require a significant amount of engineering and a lot of um, uh, work with the customer to adapt those into a spacecraft or a rover or, or so forth. But if, if technology exists where robotic costs are coming down, just like the launch providers, well now these are tools. And for those, those entities that say, hey, I really want to deploy my technology and it would be so much better. I could do so much more if I also had a robotic system that I could include. And if the price is, is, is affordable enough, that opens up a lot of innovation, a lot of capability. So for us, that's really important. We want to deliver on that. Uh, we are delivering on that. We are, we are driving um, robotic costs down by coming up with um, different approaches and different um, architectures that we think are going to be um, critical to, to, uh, to these future systems and make it easier to integrate into future satellites and to communicate and to control. So we think that's, that's how we can contribute. And, and those are the things that we invest in to, so that we can make an impact in that market. You know, this is, this is just a fascinating time. Uh, just, you know, we are, we are watching one of those um, explosion moments in our, in our domain right now. Um, it's been going on for the last few years. They have been a new space and things that have been pioneered by the developers of CubeSats and, and those who have done uh, uh, launches of those from ISS and, and other activities like the there's amount of creativity and, and interest in the space. That's really been a resurgence uh, from probably what was, was kind of a, a down period for probably a couple of decades, or if not more. And I think it's exciting. Even, even the, the discussions about uh, going back to the moon, and, but it's different. Like the way that we're going back to the moon is, is more, it's not just to go to say we did it and to plant the flag. It's really like, you know, we want to be that to be a part of our, extension of, of what we do on earth and that's to me that's kind of it's kind of exciting that we're we're living in one of those times when so much is changing and uh, like i said for us uh, you know we we want to be a part of that we want to help we want to help people achieve those those things to the best they can that was Tom McCarthy, VP of Business Development at Motive Space Systems. That's going to do it for this episode of the Space Hour. There is more to these interviews, however. Go to our website, federalnewsnetwork.com, and search Space Hour to find the full versions of our interviews. We'll see you next month. I'm Eric White.